This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Start your journey to becoming a great developer at learn.thoughtbot.com. San Francisco, I'm assuming. Like the city of? Right. <laughs> Pretty much just, you know, cable cars and K-cups. That's, that's all we do now. Yeah. And rampant mental illness. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Build Phase. Yeah, so uh, we've, we, we have gotten um, a few emails recently, which has been awesome. Let's, let's go to the easy one first, right? So I got an email. Let me pull it up. Hold on. So I got an email um, from Nicholas, who claims that he's our only listener in Chile, I think? Ch- Chile. Chile, sorry. So he was listening to the last one where we were talking about tips and tricks, and he brought up a couple other Vim-related things, right? So the first one being that um, – so he he wanted to point out that, that you can't actually do um, – you can't actually get some really good auto-completion inside Vim um, for Objective-C stuff. There's actually a, a Vim plugin called Clang Complete that uses Clang to power – the autocomplete stuff. Um, it's pretty easy to install if you're using uh, Vim stuff, uh, Vundler or whatever. And like I used that, and it worked really well. That my my the the bottleneck for me was always like having I always had to jump back into Xcode to do any kind of interface stuff, core data stuff. And I never really had, or debugging stuff, I, I never had a good way to add files to the index, you know, which seems pretty important. Yeah. Like, if I was the only one doing it, I could probably write some scripts that just call out to, you know, LLVM <laughs> or whatever. But it's just so much overhead. Um, and I, I never found a real good way to ensure that like I could do stuff in Vim and then you could do stuff in Xcode on the same project. Cause my editor choice shouldn't limit your editor choice at all. Right. And then the other thing he brought up is that he, he mentioned one other Vim emulator for Xcode and there's actually another one, but so he, he wanted, he brought up um, V I E M U. I don't know if that's supposed to be uh, Vimu, V I E M U. I don't know. Yeah, they um, should have just called it Vimulator. Yeah, Vimulator sounds better. But V I E M U is a uh, maybe V I Emu. Ah, God, dude, I don't know how to say this stupid. V I Emu. I like that. V I Emu. I don't know. Um, it's a, it's for pay though, right? So it's a paid it's a paid plugin that they just it's been on um, Visual Studio for a long time and they have plugins for other editors other IDEs as well uh and the website is awful the webs the website's awful but <laughs> sorry mark is sending me <laughs> pictures of emu in the in the back channel so <laughs> disrupting my flow man um 
but so they have a they actually have a track record with vim emulation and they've been pretty highly regarded but i think it's like a hundred bucks or something to purchase a license for this and then download it and then use it and so i haven't tried it mainly because it is a for pay thing and xvim is free and open source and i kind of like that better I did try, I do, I actually have a license. There's another one called Vicious, which is m- much better name. That's an awesome name. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so there's another one called Vicious that works really well. It's actually an Xcode plugin that's written all in Lua, I guess. So the whole thing is actually in Lua with like a thin wrapper to get it to work inside, um, inside Xcode. And that one was really great, but it m- failed my like number, my immediate test for kind of vim emulation which is ciw so it doesn't know about text objects so it didn't know about like a word object so it couldn't just change the entire word i type ciw and the vim emulator barfs then i'm it's not i'm like i use that a million times a day so i'm not gonna it's not really gonna work for me but it felt more stable like xvim isn't necessarily unstable like I, I'm actually surprised at how little XVim crashes for me, given what it's doing in the background. But their claim is that because it's all in Lua, it's Vicious is going to be more stable than XVim is going to be. But the development also seems slower, and it's not on GitHub, so I can't watch the development. Like I actually watch the XVim repo, so I see everything happening. I get emails all the time about it. Um, and I can't do that with Vicious. And for something that I rely on as heavily as like a Vim emulator, knowing that it's under active development and be able to being able to watch the development seems pretty important to me. Is Vicious a paid product? Yeah, I don't remember how how much it costs. It's not expensive. Twenty bucks. Not so, bad. No, so it's not expensive at all. That Vimu is yeah a hundred bucks so i don't know i i I, it looks like the this one viemu has a has a uh has a trial period so maybe i should give it another shot see how it works but i don't i just don't have a lot of incentive to try another one when xvim works so well for me and does everything that i want it to do so we got another email here from uh alex says, uh, hello, Mark and Gordon. Love the podcast so far. Oh, thanks, Alex. And hope to hear your opinion on self.variable equals nil versus underscore variable release in the next podcasts. I know, I know, ARC is the thing, and we don't have to worry about it anymore, which is awesome. But still, on some of the projects, I'm stuck with legacy setup and have to use manual reference counting. Gordon, do you remember manual reference counting? I do. Back in the time of the dinosaurs? Yeah, not fondly, but I do have... I do have a memory of doing it, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually currently trying to remember what the proper way to write a dialic method in manual reference counting was. So he's saying, should you be going through the the synthesized setter to nil out an instance variable, or should you access it directly and release it and then nil it out? I feel like... Well, he's he, so he's asking if you should just do like self.foo equals nil or should you do underscore foo release underscore foo equals nil. I feel like I always did underscore foo release underscore foo 
equals nil. Yeah, I think I did as well, but looking back now, I'm not sure why. Because if you go through the synthesized setter and set something to nil, it's going to release the old one first and then just assign the new one to nil. I mean, reassign it to nil after the old object has been released. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure either, other than that's the way I saw it done everywhere else when I was learning and that we had to do uh, MRR everywhere anyway. Yeah, and there was a lot of discussion about this back in the day. It was one of those things that people would argue on the tutor about. Yeah, just like constantly. Like it was it was dot syntax and and yeah. how do you release stuff inside Dialic? Yeah, we should talk about dot syntax at some point. <laughs> just for an hour. Just go on and on. About when to use it and when yeah. not to use it. Yeah, I don't know. So do you do you think it's I think you probably can't go wrong just accessing the instance variable. You know, like that's probably the safest approach. Right. Just manually release that thing, set it to nil. Right. Theoretically, that's basically what you're doing inside self.foo equals nil. I'm I'm sure there's some issue here that we're forgetting. Yeah. That I'm positive of it. <laughs> that someone will remind us of. Right. Email us, buildphaseatthoughtbot.com, because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we're screwing this up. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's pretty obvious that just we don't even think about this stuff. Not the Dialic stuff, at least. I mean, I think memory management, you still have to know under the underlying concepts of what's happening when you have, um, when you have an object, you know what I mean? But like just knowing when an object's going to be released, knowing when it isn't, knowing how long to expect something to stick around like that kind of stuff you definitely have to know and that's obviously stuff that we have to think about constantly but like that that's the kind of crap that arc solved for us a few years ago and like i had no problem just being like cool sweet i'm gonna free up this part of my own memory now (laughs) like you know like i i just don't i don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about how an object is going to be released just knowing that it is going to be released right so you're still very aware of like the life cycles of objects and yeah totally like you know arc is not a free pass to just not think about your your object graph in that way so you you know it's not cycle management it's just right taking some of the workload off of you right well, it's like the it's like the using self inside blocks thing, right? Like once you start thinking about the way that actually is working, like if you don't know, basically don't use self inside blocks is the kind of general rule of thumb, right? Because it can't it will it's probably going to create a retained cycle between the block and self. So the self is holding on to the block and then the block is holding on to self. And so now you have a retain cycle and neither one's going to go away. And now you got a memory leak. Right. And it's one of the few places under arc where it's just really easy to create a memory leak. I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about memory management and the under arc, the example that they had to come up with in order to show a retain cycle that wasn't just like using self inside a block. The the 
the the example that they had to use was so incredibly convoluted just because arc just takes care of like 99 percent of the things you would ever possibly do so it was like this really specific thing where you had to go through this specific set of things and then you would end up with a retain cycle but there must be something coming to like the compiler or to to address that because it's it's one of those things that's it's just like retaining release now it's like every time i want to write a block and I have to reference some instance variable on myself in it. I have to do the, you know, underscore, underscore, weak type of self, weak self equals self dance. And in some cases, I've had to um, create a strong reference to the weak reference inside the block in the event that the block is fired and that weak instance has gone away. Which just makes things even worse. Yeah, so uh, uh, Justin Justin Spar Summers, you say? I think so. Yeah. I think Justin so. Spar Summers has a has a lib libxt Objective C basically libxt OBJC library on GitHub that they use like in Reactive Cocoa and whatever, and it actually has um, these really cool macros set up for. Um, weakify so it's like a weakify macro that creates so you just pass in self right so you say weakify self and then now self every time you use self it's actually a weak reference and then they also have a strongify self so that every time now you use self it's a strong reference again and so like the the idea is that outside the block you do weakify self and then inside the block you do strongify self and that so that takes care of that dance for you to a certain extent, but you still have to call those. And they're doing some crazy stuff where like the those macros, like the macros that you set up, the way you type it out is at weakify paren self paren. And at strongify paren self paren. But the at symbol is protected. Like you can't just make macros you can't define stuff with the at symbol in Objective C. So what they're doing is the macro actually starts with a try statement, but leaves off the at symbol. So that when the macro compiles, it it compiles to at. It's actually it's actually turning out to be at try, whatever the rest of the macro is. But you're writing at weakify, so it looks like it's a system call, and it totally isn't. And it's one of the most awesomely hacky things I think yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah, that's so clever. <laughs> so impressed. But yeah, so there there is a there's there's a warning that I was just made aware of um, a few days ago, not a few days ago, uh, maybe a month ago. Uh, there's a warning that you can actually turn on Clang Warn Objective C Implicit Retain Self. If you turn that on. It'll actually war- give you warnings, compiler warning. I think this is new as of Xcode 5. But it'll give you compiler warnings for the block stuff, right? Like if you use self inside of a block, it'll give you a warning that it's implicitly retaining self there inside the block. Is this different from the warning that reads something like um, captured something or other is likely to lead to a retain cycle? Because that warning's been around for a while no yeah i think this is different but it doesn't work in all cases like it doesn't catch cases where you will actually have a retain cycle all the time right 
Like you, you'll end up with abandoned memory and somehow the static analyzer can't catch some cases, but it can others. Yeah. I'm not really clear on how that works. This may have been around longer, but like it just popped up in my Twitter feed a few weeks ago. It was like, hey, if you turn this on, like it's not going to fix the problem, obviously, but if you turn this warning on, you're at least one step ahead in terms of catching these retain cycles with self inside blocks. But the fact that they can detect those and give you warnings, like that was one of my biggest disappointments from this most recent WWDC is that they didn't add this kind of stuff to the compiler. Like it seems like it's it's a common enough dance. Like even if they always did the weakify, the like the weak reference, strong reference thing, even if they always did that, it's at least better than never doing it. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. it seems like it's co- a common enough pattern that the compiler should be able to do this for me. And it should be just one of those other things that, like, I don't have, like, dialic statements that I just don't have to think about anymore. I'm just going to use self because that's what makes sense. And the compiler is going to help me here. Yeah, definitely. I'm still looking at this uh, library extension thing that Justin has. You know about this uh, exd nil? No. It says, which is like NS null, but behaves much more closely to actual nil in that it doesn't crash when sent unrecognized <laughs> messages, which is awesome. Is it still truthy? Uh, let me look at the declaration here. Okay, so it's actually an NS proxy subclass. Oh, God. <laughs> that uh, implements null, the class method. And then in the implementation, uh, so... Y- Yes, I believe that it, yeah, so null still returns the singleton object, but he's using forward invocation. I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out how this works, but <laughs> yes, I, I believe it's still truthy, but you can just send messages to it, like if you got it back in a, from like a JSON parse or something, without having to do that safety check. Right. So it's more like a, cool. Yeah, this is clever. So it's more like an actual null object than either nil or ns null are, right? Uh, yes. It's kind of like the best it's... of both. Like right. you got something back, so it's truthy. But mm-hmm. you can put it in a collection. You can put it in a collection, and then you can also just send messages to it, like it's anything else, and, and it'll just be a no op. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I like that a lot. Today I learned. Today I learned. There's the other email that we got. So William said that he's been he's been looking for a job recently, and um, he interviewed at a couple of high profile companies, and that they were still doing manual retain release, and saying that they couldn't move to Arc. Like, even while revamping their UI and doing a bunch of other refactorings, it sounds like that they were just like, no, we can't move to Arc. And I'm honestly having... He he actually suggested maybe they should just extract the legacy code and then put the compiler flag on it to tell it, don't use Arc just on these files, which seems totally reasonable. And And they didn't like that suggestion at all. I mean, what... I'm I'm having trouble f- thinking of a reason why you shouldn't just move it 
all to arc. Like, like at the worst case scenario, like extracting the legacy code into some kind of a, you know, like a, like even a cocoa pod, honestly, like extracting the sub project, like extracting a cocoa pod just for the legacy stuff. And then telling uh, in the cocoa pod, just saying like requires arc. No, you know, Mm -hmm. well, that assumes that that code is easily extractable. Assuming that it's not all intertwined. Yeah, but you could you could just pull those classes out. Like that's the thing. You could just pull those classes out and just put them in a CocoaPod, and it should pretty much just work like it would have, right? Like you're not changing the public interface. I'm just saying, like every take every class where where you can't move it to Arc. Don't change it at all. Pull it out. Put it in a CocoaPod. And then just tell that CocoaPod to not use Arc. You shouldn't have any problems, right? Because all the classes are still there. It doesn't care where the classes are. Yeah. Maybe for some reason they have to support uh, 4.3. That's Cause they, the, that, the best reason I could think of. That, like, 1% of their customer base is, like, incredibly important to them. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, 1% of all customers like that's not even their cus like i i don't know what their numbers look like but if it's under one percent for everybody that's on 4.3 still i i don't know I just, yeah. see. just just playing devil's advocate you know how yeah you know no how i the, do the business side of and this is why this is why i'm software development goes right. i mean this is why i'm not like a straight up business person because i'm just like screw them (laughs) i want to use use the new shiny stuff (laughs) yeah yeah we all do gordon that's why we're here yeah so i don't know those sound like reasonable that sounded like a reasonable suggestion to me i don't understand i mean he says here that they vehemently defend that they cannot move to arc i don't understand just you know putting your fingers in your ears and just like nope nope not using automatic reference counting it's magic yeah i don't understand that uh yeah i really i really don't either it's not going anywhere it's the way of the future right way Uh, of the future i i guess i under i could understand it from the point of view of like well like we were saying before right it you deal you do still have to know some of the memory management stuff at least the concepts right when stuff is going to be retained and released you have to know that kind of stuff just so that your own code doesn't blow up on you and you don't run into weird edge cases with like you know uh, a like a class method that kicks off a background request and then the request finishes in the class and there's nothing you know there's nothing holding on to the block or whatever so the block fires and then you crash whatever you know like threading sure. threading issues sure so like you have to you have to understand memory management to a certain extent but and so i i kind of can see how maybe they're worried about people coming in and just doing crazy stuff without understanding memory management like maybe like this is the only thing i can think of you know what i'm saying like yeah because they're being because they're forcing people to be explicit about it then they're forcing people to have a real solid understanding of what's happening i i guess but then you could make that argument for any new technology that's like saying that we shouldn't be using gcd for concurrency because then people won't understand like threading yeah Yeah. and like you know thread pools and 
all the bad stuff that can come along with that, you know, priority inversion, right. all that fun stuff. Like saying that we shouldn't use these higher levels of abstraction because we won't understand how the lower levels work. But really, you still have to understand the high-level concepts and just let the technology take care of the low-level stuff for you. Right. Well, and, and even beyond that, like, like we've said a couple times, like you're not going to just be able to just write code and do and write it in using arc and just have like everything's not going to work so like if you're if you're trying to find people that know memory manually memory manual memory management coming in then those same people are going to be able to work under arc because the concepts are there right it's literally just less code that they have to write right I mean, most of when I I migrated a project to Arc, and I ran into some weird problems with some of the, I think it was Core Graphics code, whatever, um, using using CG colors versus UI colors, whatever. It's not important. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you talking about like the issue where Arc will just like release it right out from under you, like like you declare it, and by the next line, it's already gone. Yeah, if you put a, I think if I remember the issue correctly, basically you just don't put CG color refs in a collection because if you do like UI color, like I have a UI color and then I just do CG color, I call CG color on it, it does that and then like immediately <laughs> releases the CG color. So you need to keep the UI color around and then only pass in this only use the cg color when you're actually using the color basically right but like when i other than that and like a couple other like weird issues most of the transition to arc was like a find and replace for the words retain release and like auto release and just deleting those and then removing all my dialect statements wait hold on did you not use the migration tool in Xcode? No, no, I did. I did. Oh, okay. I'm saying, oh, saying what what okay. it what it did. I see. What it did was essentially, you know, I mean, just removing removing code. Like it was just all kind of like it's not like it brought a couple new concepts with it, but it, for the most part, it's just like that code you're about to write. Just don't just don't write it now. That's how you write Arc instead of yeah. It just saves you from having to think about. A, what am I trying to do in this method? Like, what am I trying to achieve? And then that, like, extra meta layer of, like, oh, well, how do I keep all these objects around to do this thing that I want to do? So we've re- removed the, the latter. It still just makes me angry that people <laughs> are just so, like, staunchly against new technology. It drives me nuts. Masochistic programmers. Yeah, I don't get it. I really don't. So we had we had a project that we subcontracted out and so i jumped on it and it was written like 10 months ago and it was all memory management and it was just kind of like or manual memory management and it was just kind of like this immediate thing where i was like wait a minute like i was i just started writing code and i started writing it just like of course this is arc this is (laughs) this project's a month old of course it's arc and i just started writing stuff and then i was like wait a minute why does this say retain all over the place and auto release it's like i and so then i had to like stop and and kind of like switch gears in my brain and be like ah oh, crap okay so i'm back in this memory manage manual memory ma- i'm never going to be able to say this right manually 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mike, you can't edit any of these out. <laughs> I think you've screwed it up every time you've tried to say every it. Every single time. Manual memory management. <laughs> manual reference counting, will that help? So we go automatic reference counting and manual reference counting? Yeah, but that implies like using retain count. Right. <laughs> yeah. Shh. You're going to invoke Which... the ire. Bill <laughs> Which you should always do, right? That's what you should. That's how you check to see if something's. Pro tip. Pro. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Extol your terrible wisdom. Pro tip: Don't listen to Gordon. Don't use yeah. retain count. Base. Yeah. In fact, forget that it exists. <laughs> right. Right. It. Other because it literally other... doesn't do what it says it does. <laughs> well. It does, but it's not it's not accurate the way you think it's going to be. <laughs> right. Because other parts right. of the framework are also Right. It totally does what it says it does, it's just not useful at all. No. To you as the right. client code maker. No. Bad. Bad. <laughs> uh isn't there like a website like like don't use retain count dot com? I think it's when when should I use retain count? Oh, and then it just says never. Of course. Yeah, it's when to use retaincount.com. And it just huge letters. Never. There's pretty much never a good reason to use retain count. And then there's a great explanation as to why not. So yeah, go check that out. Yeah, actually it's like it, it it's like a joke website, but like super useful. But it's no joke. No 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 serious joke. Don't shit. Use, don't use retain count. <laughs> what else? Do we have more to say on memory management? Yeah, just use Arc. Right. Come on, people. Right. I I mean, I keep saying it, but like I just don't I don't understand why you wouldn't. I totally get being reluctant to migrate existing code bases. Absolutely. I, I, I totally understand that. Like, especially if the code base itself is complex and and is you know, doing a bunch of crap. Like, it, the the older the code base is, the harder it's going to be to transfer to anything new. You know what I mean? Like, that's true for everything. I don't understand not being willing to talk about migrating to Arc, but I understand why you would be reluctant to migrate to Arc for the entire code base. I don't understand how William's suggestion of, well, why don't you kind of segregate the legacy stuff and have the compiler not use ARC there, but then all the new code can be written in ARC. That makes total sense to me because, you know, I mean, so I guess the problem there would be you have to do a context switch in your head moving, you know, what what class am I in? Is this class that uses ARC or not? Although then I'd say that you shouldn't, you know, there's the open close principle, right? Like you shouldn't have that much churn in that legacy code anyway. Like you should probably be spending most of your time in new code. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, I saw a tweet from one of the engineers over at Square recently that said that all of their applications are in the process of being migrated to Arc. Right. And so they're just taking it like a class at a time. Like if there's enough work going on in there, convert it to Arc throw that compiler flag on totally. it. that i mean that that makes that makes I, i'd actually go the other way right i would turn on arc for the whole project and then go through the 
painstaking process to turn off arc for all the classes so that then when I need to move them away from arc, I'm just deleting that compiler flag. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the context switching sucks. But Yeah, totally. Necessary evil? That's the best route? Kind of. Kind of. Kind of just deal with it for a while? Yeah. I mean, it seems like you are you're handcuffing yourself a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Because the, the, I think probably the biggest problem for that, like having a huge legacy code base that isn't and will never be moved to Arc, is that there's a whole bunch of developers that are never going to have worked in a memory. A man, God, Jesus Christ. They're never going to have worked in a manually memory managed application. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I, I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? So, like, you're, you're, you're keeping yourself from hiring possibly the best people that you could hire based on this single, this single point of restriction, right? Like, yeah. like restricting, restricting your hiring pool to the people that – to only people that know how to do – MRR, which I can't even say that right. Jesus. Restricting your hiring pool to just those people is leaving out a bunch of people that may be incredibly smart guys, girls, men, women. Humans. Yeah, humans. Smart humans. Right. They may be incredibly smart people and just they don't have any experience doing that. And so now now you're not going to hire them. Right. Because of that, which seems silly. Yeah, if if you're hiring the right people and they're brilliant – they could learn manual memory management if they need to. It's not difficult. You know, as long as you're hiring sufficiently capable people, it's not a difficult concept. Like, there's bigger fish to fry. Well, I don't think there's anything in his email to suggest that he didn't get a job at these places because he didn't have that under his belt. But it just seems like, I don't know. Right. I was just speaking to your point about missing out on talented people but with this restriction. It's not a restriction. It's just if the people you're trying to hire are smart enough, they could learn this. It's just they don't need to. They don't need to, right. Right, so so I guess it's more for, for me as like someone that, like if I was looking for a job and it was this huge legacy code base and it had, and it was all in art, it was all in manual memory management. It was all using, Jesus, never. This isn't going to work. We have to figure out a new word for this. You did it that time. If the code base was that was like that and, and the people were reluctant to change it, I, that would be kind of like a flag to me as a potential employee. Like, why don't why, – why are they unwilling to migrate to ARC? Yeah, I think willingness to embrace new technology is important in the interview process. Like picking on both up sides. On that. Oh, yeah. On both sides, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. I, embrace <laughs> – Embrace technology, way of the future. So if you have any uh, more comments, we'd love to hear them. Um, uh, You can email us, uh, buildphase at thoughtbot.com. And we're also on Twitter and app.net, at thoughtbot. So show notes for this episode will be available at learn.thoughtbot.com slash buildphase slash six. And this episode was recorded and edited by Mike Manor and produced by Chad Pytel.